What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by FMF and, of course, the Fast House. It is time, that time of year again, where 21 years ago, they started a day in the dirt. And uh, if you haven't been yet, you've only missed 21 of them so far. The 22nd will be one year ago, probably this weekend. And uh, if you're listening here in uh, or down there in the uh, United States, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving uh, because I know that's coming down the pipe. A guy who will be thanks uh, will be giving thanks and no no doubt uh, taking down some some turkey, some stuffing, and likely some cranberry sauce. He's on the phone with me. He's a repeat offender. He's a rolling co-host within this podcast. We've had him on almost 30 times in this year. He probably can't believe that, but I have podcasts to prove it. Dave Drakes, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, man. My uh, my second home pretty much is on this damn podcast, so I'm, I'm stoked. And you better know I'm taking down some turkeys, man. This is like my favorite holiday so I'm, i am pumped i'm like this is like my a1 right now oh hell yeah i like as much as the uh the fbi is no doubt tracking both of our movements with uh with uh diligent intent um they're probably uh thinking that we're we're up to something uh, based on how often we talk we've broken down uh, just about every main event or major event within the world of motocross over the last year or so, uh, maybe a couple we missed here and there based on scheduling conflicts, uh, and, and by no means is this podcast going to be a review of the Paris uh, Supercross, Jason Anderson, your winner, uh, followed by Dylan Ferrandez and Zach Osborne. Good performances from uh, from Vince Feezy and uh, Justin Brayton, both of those guys had pretty impressive bikes, and of course we wish all the best to uh, Weston Pike, who right now is likely in a lot of pain and uh, dealing with some facial fractures and, uh, and a pretty scary uh, scenario right now. So our thoughts go to Weston Pike right now, but this is not going to be a, uh, a break-down-the-race-style podcast. We've done plenty of those. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's about time that we had uh, Dave Drakes to talk uh, a little bit of moto, um, just all-encompassing, a, a collective experience, if you would. Uh, the the kind of the um, the Dave Drake's motorcycle experience, if you could. Like, if, I'd like to kind of if we could kind of dive into some older stories uh, and, and just sort of uh, dig up some of those gems because you've been around this sport for quite some time, uh, both uh, as a competitor, as a uh, as a fan as well as as a business guy. So uh, you, you've kind of encompassed uh, many facets within the sport, and I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, man, like I said, you know, I'm always happy to talk moto and, uh, and, and hop on big and next. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, as a contender, I wish that I did a little bit better in the races. But yeah, uh, let's see if I can make up. <laughs> I did all right. You know, it would have been nice to do a little bit better, especially when you're racing the guys that I raced and, you know, getting smoked like almost every race, but <laughs> but uh, still, let's see if we can make up for it with uh, the business side or you know the fandom side. But um, yeah, you know, if it's anything model, man, you know, I'm I'm all about it 110. percent So I'm ready to nerd out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Would you have uh, lined up with guys like Phil Nicoletti and shit like that growing up? Well, of course, like for those who don't know, uh, you grew up in the New York area. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in the New England area, so we did a lot of um, a lot of races. I think we did a couple D thirty four, which is pretty big New York scene. Uh, NESC, NEMX, NEMA. So um, yeah, we were we were all over with that. But uh, I think Phil was, uh, I think he was like a couple years older maybe uh or he definitely hopped on big bikes before i did because i remember seeing him at a couple of new york races and he was always in like um you know the the older guy classes that i think i was just shy of and um he definitely was on big bikes before me uh hmm. you know how old are you 85 around uh, 27 okay so yeah i think a couple years younger than me see i would have been like 65s yeah. and stuff yeah 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 so I, I think i think i'm super close to where to where he was but uh yeah, Phil was, man, he, that guy was a beast even, like, back in those days. I remember him racing guys that I thought were, like, the local heroes, you know, like Tony LaRusso and stuff like that. And you, when you're little, you see guys like that, you think you can't get any faster. Those guys are like gods. And then Nicoletti came and just smoked him and just, like, killed your hero, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. it kind of opens the eyes a little bit. But, yeah, he was, he was a ripper. Did you ever get to watch uh, one uh, Mike Treadwell on a Morgan Racing uh, Suzuki two-stroke? Think that I don't think or maybe I knew a, even about a Derek Fisher back in the day. Is that is that in your wheelhouse or no? That was probably a little bit before I was like uh, observing all name. that that much. But I, I do remember Treadwell's like a he's like a legend, man. That guy's like a like a deity pretty much around New England. But I I remember <laughs> him. Uh, yeah, I heard, dude, honestly, that guy. You, you go anywhere, you'll see you see Treadwell fans just like lining the fence, and um, yeah, he's he's definitely a Definitely a legend in New England, and I definitely remember him uh, when I was younger. I think he was on Cowies at that point, and I do remember him watching some uh, Canadian races and having hearing about him. Uh, you know, Iron Mike Treadwell. Just uh, oh, wow. I forget who, I forget who the commentators were. They always they were always calling him Iron Mike and Mark, you know, Money in Mark the Bank. Mark Travers, Ryan Coster, yep. those guys. They, yep. uh, there's Iron <laughs> Mike Treadwell, and you can't make it the crossover move. Yeah, that that whole. There thing. you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Money that's... in the bank, solid. Always, always good for like a top five. <laughs> oh, that's those so. guys are. Uh, those guys could could announce the the race for thirty fifth and make it sound like it's for the lead. It was fantastic. Um, oh, it's perfect for a kid with ADD like me, man. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. Just uh, <laughs> squirrel. Um, but uh, no, like, that's why I kind of brought up the uh, the Derek Fisher connection because he was, of course, uh, teammates with Treadhead back in the day, and I think they kind of mm. followed each other around in the early two thousands. But you, like you said, you're a little bit younger, um, mm. maybe almost maybe too young to really kind of understand all the whole world around you at that point and who you're watching and whatnot. But, uh, cause uh, D- Derek Fisher was basically a flash in the pan. The guy won a Canadian national championship. I think it was 2001. And then I want to say he tried to defend it. And then I never heard of him ever again. So Oh two Oh one Oh two. And then see you later. He actually ended up losing that championship the following year. I believe to uh, either Ryan Sipes or someone else. Oh three title? Can't quite remember. Uh, Sipes did come up here and race uh, after Loretta Lins and uh, race a 125 two-stroke. That was pretty exciting times. Uh, like, who are some of the local guys? You'd mentioned, like, uh, the, the Treadheads and the uh, uh, Tony LaRusso's. Like, who are like, some of the guys locally that you're just, like, you see them at the practice track and you're like, ah, oh, these guys. Deities, as you said. 
Oh, uh, let's see. Um, like Pat Barton. Pat Barton. That guy was always Pat Barton. That guy was always wicked fast. Um, huh, let's see. I remember definitely it was like a big Tony Russo fan since he owned his track that he wrote at constantly and he won just so many freaking titles. John right. Dowd, for sure. Dowdy, yeah. Um, that, yeah, that was one of my favorite racers when I was on 85s and we did a bunch of his classes and um, he always looked like he was never pushing that hard, but he would absolutely fly and uh, would just hit a section just all out strength. Wasn't much for the finesse part of it, but mm-hmm. um, just brutish. You know what I mean? Just doesn't, not too flashy, doesn't move around the bike a lot, but just will attack a section and just put that bike into submission, man. Just really beat on it. So that was, you know, when you're a little kid watching that type of riding, it's super, super cool. Um, but yeah, those those guys were just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I, I wish I could have seen like the, uh, you know, JoJo Keller days and stuff when he was ripping it up in New England. That would have been super cool. But that's right. a little born a little bit too late for that, you know. Yes, of course. You are uh, a child of the '90s, uh, and for that, we <laughs> love you for that, my friend. Um, so, w- what kind of bikes do you ride on? Like, what 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 bikes did you start racing, and what what bikes did you ride for '80s? Like, I was a KX guy. The uh, 01 KX85 came out and absolutely had to have it. Rode it until uh, the late stages of 2003. Uh, what, what bikes were you on before uh, uh, everything turned four-stroke? Uh, so I think my very first bike was like a TTR90. And um, I thought it was, you know, being a kid, uh, first dirt bike, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And mm. uh, We took that to the local tracks and quickly realized that that is not made for moto. So... Yeah. Um, rode that for a couple seasons. Um, I think I, I think I had a '65 for a very short amount of time because I was pretty big for the TTR. Um, and then hopped on the KX85 and uh, rode that around. I wanted one because Ryan Little Poto had one, and I would you know go through the um, you know mini motocross, uh, the mini dirt rider magazine yeah and trans world and stuff yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I um, mini rider you know, that was a good magazine as a kid yeah, who was yeah. on the 80s that was cool it was awesome to see other kids riding way that you didn't think you could actually ride these little bikes yeah so, and like the um, like, like 80 kids on the cover and like yeah do an 80 yeah. shootout even though the bikes never change you're like oh <laughs> cool. yeah I'm trying to, i wonder who won this year you know yeah it was like always the ktm 85 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who, and of course, those bikes. Yeah, with the PDS system and like bikes that like I never rode one, but I was like Macaulay's. But yeah, go on. Yeah, for sure. Um, Plus, you like James yeah, Stewart. Yeah, you yeah. can just say it. Oh yeah, but honestly, on eighty five, uh, that was man oh one oh two. I I had no clue who like who James Stewart was um, until like that. What was it? Probably oh like the end of oh two. Cause you know, like, okay. I think I caught, so I would, I would miss a bunch of like the West series races and then I would catch like the East and stuff. Cause I'd find out about super cross season, like way too late and stuff. Of course. Um, just focus Magazine on, focusing on my own racing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, obviously once they saw who find out who James Stewart was, I thought I was the coolest person in the world. Uh, but yeah, I rode my, rode my KXs, man. I was super, you know, loved them. Um, got really comfortable on them. They weren't too, you know, too crazy powerful, super plus suspension. So Stuck with those for a while, then I, um, you know, I made the hop up to the big bikes. The go to 05 KX125, my favorite bike ever. Probably mm. the slowest 125 out there, but That's the fine. most, yeah, which is, for me it was perfect because like the most easy to ride, 
really getting your feet wet with the big boys. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better bike and um, made you work that much harder, hone your skills that much better mm-hmm. so you can keep up with the guys on the fast bikes. But, um, yeah, I had yeah. that for a while. Then, um, then I remember, I think we talked about it a little bit, I saw a Canadian national with uh, Fasciati on the 06 250F, and um, I, I think I whined and cried for my dad to get me that bike because it, it just looked so badass and the way that uh, Colton was ripping it. So uh, we got one of those and um, rode that for a while, then hopped on a YZ. We got a pretty good deal of sponsorship through a local Yami shop, and I think I've been on Yami's ever since. So. Well, yeah, because the bike is the same. Still the one that you ride. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, it that's, is. That's model history. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, it, it's cool to see the way your uh, sort of um, – the career, if you want to call it one, or the exposure to the sport has kind of like evolved over the years, and the, we've we've had similar bikes. I had the uh, the 2001 and 2003 250 or uh, KX85, and then an 04 uh, KX125. Probably not a whole lot different from one that you had. Uh, I actually thought mine was pretty quick, but uh, maybe you got a lemon or something along those lines. Um, oh, for sure. the, the nice thing about a 125 is that the the power won't scare you, although it did when I was. 14 trying to race that thing um and uh was a tall 14 year old the thing wanted to jump out of my hands all the time but um yeah great to learn on uh light flickable bikes not that i was flicking it around much to do any whips or anything like that but it never seemed to be uh over over like kind of wrestling me too much i still have the bike i love it and uh yeah i was like uh at that time were you have you always been uh 175 is your number yeah, always. That was my very first race. Uh, um, I don't know why, why I that? picked that number, but Ugh. I have—I honestly, I have no idea. I think make up a better I was story. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's the number of uh, you're bad at making up stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can make up a story, but uh, uh, I don't know. I, I I went up to the uh, to registration with my dad. I, I'm you know super little, and um, she asked me for what number was, and I just said uh, one seven five because I thought it looked okay. You know, okay. Um, and this yeah, is all very Dave Drakesy. Like this is that's something <laughs> you would say. You're like, oh, a hundred percent. I'll put me on the spot and just think of something random. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, the one seven five. You're you're racing. You're you're in uh, New England. Um, at this point, you probably think that Super Bowl championships grow on trees. Um, yep. And uh, for for all intents and purposes, that that's what you would believe if it, based on uh, kind of your era. Um, like I actually had that conversation with one of the football athletes that I train with, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're a Patriots fan? He's like, dude, they've been good since I cared. I'm like, that's fair. Like, like I can't fault you for that. They've literally been good every single season since you've cared about football. So you, you can't really say you're a fair weather fan when they've been that good that long. But uh, exactly. I digress. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so you're, you're racing in that scenario or that, that scene. Tony Russo is a badass. I'm sure he still knocks down moto wins every once in a while. Uh, Treadhead, uh, some really like kind of like salt of the earth, uh, hardworking racers around you. That's a really cool community to have come up in. Um, like what were you, like, did you have aspirations of, uh, of making it to the pro class one day? And if so, why didn't you get there, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think every kid has aspirations of going pro, you know, like that's kind of why we enter the sport because you look at our heroes on the, on the TV and, you know, we go, wow, I, I want to do that. You know, I've, I've got a dirt bike just like that. And look at the guys who are winning, they're getting 
all these accolades and attention and they're like on TV and they're famous. And like we, we all aspire to be the best of the sport that we love, you know, mm-hmm. um, the same could be said for any sport, but you know, obviously ours is the best. So, um, I think, obviously. I think it's, uh, it, it, oh yeah, obviously I think it's tenfold for, for people who are moto fans, man, that's, that's the ultimate goal for, I think 99% of us. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we did all the circuits, um, got up to, you know, um, B class, which in that, Oh, five through kind of oh eight time um was probably one of the fastest times to be a b rider in new england man those guys it, it some weekends it wasn't even fair like i i would have probably done better going to a than <laughs> doing like the the youth 250 b classes but uh, i did those and I, I snuck into a couple uh a races especially when we had some um the indoor supercross track uh mototown that <laughs> collapsed a few years after its inception um, but yeah, I did a couple air races and, you know, I seriously considered it, but, um, you know, after talking to my parents about what it would take to get to that level of being pro and the financial burden on families that we saw around us and, uh, just kind of commitment. Um, I don't think I was, was ready to make that, that, that full sacrifice. And, um, you know, I still kind of rode a little nervous most of the time, rode tight, didn't really, um, you know, probably ride to my full potential a lot of the time. So um, I think I, I kind of let that kind of get in the way and decided, hey, you know, if I can't uh, if I can't go pro, at least I can, you know, have a career around the industry or around some fast guys and, and still have fun doing what I want to do, you know. So decided to go a different route. Fair enough. And so I guess that's where uh, the collective experience comes in. Uh, maybe this is a good time to take a break from the, uh, the story, the history of uh, Dave Drake's within motocross to inform people that if they want to get closer to the sport of motocross than they've ever been, to be in the pit area, to be a part of the team, uh, there's no better way to do it than with the collective experience. Um, because, uh, yeah, you like you, you guys offer uh, an exclusive and very uh, all-encompassing experience that people can't buy anywhere else. It's it's something truly special, and uh, maybe you can tell people a little bit more about it. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's, it's a very, very unique program. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's programs out there where, you know, you can do, like, meet and greets and stuff like that, but we're, we couldn't be more, more from that. You know, we're a complete opposite. We get fans fully immersed for an experience that's, like, that's unlike any other uh, you, you get a chance to really be a team member and feel like you're contributing to the team. Like you've got, uh, you've got all eyes on you. You're, you're interacting, you're meeting, you're, uh, you're involved in a lot of discussions, race prep uh, with the rider, with the team, with the mechanics, and you're interfacing with a lot of people in the industry that you'd never get a chance to meet otherwise. Uh, so whether you're an aspiring racer coming to the ranks, looking to kind of see what it's like to be a pro or just a super fan like myself, um, it's, it's an experience that, that is, invaluable i mean you're our you're our personal guest and the personal guest of the racers that we have on the program and you're watching practice with them you're going over their bike prep um you get to ask as many questions as you want pictures all day long and they're catering to you um the, the fan you know you're our vip for the day and um it's something that we're really proud to offer the industry something that we're really proud proud of that does a lot of good you know because we actually give a lot of the funding that we raise on each experience package right back to the riders and teams so uh, we're very proud of the fact that we get to support so many privateers um, and connect so many fans with their favorite racers. So we're coming back for 2019. We've got tons of spots open. Uh, we're doing a uh, – actually announced it here. We're doing um, 
a Black Friday deal where you get a chance to get in uh, into the program at a discount, which we don't really do that often. So uh, we're really, really excited about it. And I think it's uh, going to su- surprise a lot of people just how good it is this year. We're evolving everywhere, every year. We're making it better and better. And uh, I'm just excited to meet as many people as I can and get them hooked up in the sport. Absolutely. And uh, not only do these fans get uh, an, an experience like no other, they also get the opportunity to help these privateers because uh, the, the fee for the program, uh, a portion of that, actually a, g- a good amount of the portion, goes directly to that privateer that you want an experience with. And, um, and based on this, uh, this, uh, this discount that you guys are going to be offering for Black Friday, uh, that, that discount's coming out of your bottom line, not out of the uh, particular races that they want to be with, which is pretty cool um, that you're kind of putting, uh, putting your money where your mouth is and, uh, and helping out these privateers, which uh, you as well as I know, um, privateers a lot of the time are, are what is the connective tissue of this community. They, they, they relate so well with the fan, the fans of the sport. It, they're those riders that the, the fans can connect with best because they, uh, like they're a lot of times they're regular guys, guys that, that, uh, uh, although have incredible skills on two wheels, um, like they, they don't have all the same advantage of the factory, factory, uh, superstars. And, um, they're, they're extremely talented at what they do. And, and, and you're, you're able to, uh, help them get to that next level or get to the next race with a little extra cash in their pocket. Oh, exactly. You know, and they're super appreciative of that fact too. So, you know, you, you said it best. They're, they're just like, like us, like, you know, like regular fans, they're just a little bit faster. Um, and you know, they appreciate every single interaction that they make. You know, they don't have the long lines like, um, you know, like a Ferrandis or Zach Osborne or, or Chad Reed or these guys. Um, you know, every person that comes up to them and says, "Hey, can I have an autograph?" or "Hey, you're you know one of my favorite racers." They take that to heart. You know, they actually want to talk to you and learn more. And um, yeah, it's a struggle for these guys. So every little ounce of help, I mean, goes so far with these guys. Whether it's I mean, if, if we gave them 20 bucks and a meal, they would have been happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, the amount of money that, that we're giving these guys, it's keeping them going every weekend. It's keeping, you know, making sure their bike gets to the races, making sure they have entry fees, uh, some fuel, uh, food, you know what I mean? So it, it really, really helps you guys out a lot. And um, I want to keep doing it. I want to help as many riders as I can over the years and make this thing better and better to do more and more good in the industry. Heck yeah, man! You do a ton of good in this industry. Hopefully, people uh, listen to this and uh, and and hit you up on it because uh, yeah, you've got a a, a pretty uh, star-studded list. Who are some of the riders that you're going to be working with in 2019? And I know that list will grow as the season approaches. Yeah, uh, we're we're always improving and, and making uh, additions to our list. It's kind of our thing where uh, we start out with a good group and we grow it as the season progresses and make it you know to make it even better and better. But so far, we've got riders like Adam Antignap, Tyler Antignap. We've got AJ Catanzaro, Dave Pulley. Uh, we've got Devin Sorensen, Baba Pauly, and the, the list is going to keep growing bigger and bigger. So uh, make sure you, you follow along with us at The Collective EX on Instagram uh, or at www.thecollectivexp.com to find out who those riders are going to be. Uh, we're trying to roll out an elite program right now with some bigger name guys, so stay tuned. Really excited for that and to, uh, to hook some people up with some pretty high-level people. There you go. Excited to hear more about the Elite program. And uh, the nicest thing about doing a, uh, a uh, collective experience with a guy like David Pulley, or with him specifically, is that he'll watch the night show with you because he's often not in it. Um, <laughs> oh, man. 
But uh, <laughs> <laughs> kill me. Oh, that's good uh, stuff. Yeah, I love you, gonna Dave. Hate, he's gonna hate, you. He's gonna hate you for that one. He's gonna hate me. <laughs> he's gonna cry a little bit, but we're still buds. Um, oh, but yeah, let's jump right back into uh, what what kind of is that uh, that Dave Drake ex- experience, like growing up as a, a fan of motocross, a super fan of motocross. Uh, there's a few consistencies that you'll find with more than a few different individuals that follow the sport closely. Um, binge watching motocross videos, uh, leafing through uh, like magazines over and over and over again. I'm not too sure if you're a, uh, an avid reader, but I was an avid looking at picture guy. Um, so my, my that's like, honestly, I'm sure there's more than a few magazines where I can tell you all of the photos in it, but not, not any of the articles. Maybe that's my fault, but um, what were some of the motocross videos that you just absolutely clung to? What got way too much play uh, that probably to this day, if your parents were to hear the soundtrack, they'd know which video you're watching. Like what, uh, what were some of your uh, repeat offenders when it came to uh, motocross media? And uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit. Oh, man. Uh, this is going back for me, man. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was the nerd that actually read all the articles, man. I honestly, I was a picture guy too, but I could not stop reading the articles. I wanted to know everything about everything about motocross. That's so, probably why you're, um, uh, a, uh, an engineer and I'm a bricklayer. <laughs> I, 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 I might be, but honestly, I, I just wanted to know more. I wanted to know why this gear was better than that gear and how it worked and, you know, why these, why these guys are messing around with suspension, you know, when you're a kid, you think everyone suspension to suspension, you know, but, um, yeah, I was just, I was a nerd about that stuff, man. I, I just wanted to find out absolutely everything about my motorcycle and why it worked the way it did. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure my parents have, have stories about me just geeking out for hours in my room, just reading magazines and stuff, which is not healthy. Um, but for moto videos, oh man, I'd have to say in the ranks, probably, probably my favorite moto movies. What? I, I yeah, I think ranks? in the ranks, in the ranks, in the more specifically in the, I think it's, it's either in the ranks two or in the ranks three, one of the one of those two videos, uh, which I'm sure if I look into my cabinet right now I'll find it. Um, but it was it featured it was pretty much like Mini Warriors, which I also watched to no end. I think Mini Warriors three was my go to, but uh, yeah, in the ranks had some of the same guys: uh, Zach Osborne, uh, Blake Warren. Jason Anderson, um, oh man, it had everyone. Alessi was in there. Okay. Just, just I have not even heard over. of this video, which is amazing. I'll send, I'll send you a picture of it. But yeah, I, you know, I, I'll be, I'll probably, I'll end up mailing you this video so you can watch it. Will it uh, show up with the, the 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 jersey that you were supposed to send me six months ago? Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> oh, you're bad. I don't mean to blow you out on the show. But uh, you've had a, an AJ Catanzaro jersey coming my way since I think prior to uh, Labor Day. You're not supposed to white, wear white after Labor Day. You're not supposed to like make people wait that long after wait Labor Day either, Dave. Yeah, the jersey, the jersey is literally should show up in a couple of days too. I have the tracking number, so Good. I'm off the hook for that one. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it was the same deal as Mini Warriors, just. Uh, I think maybe a little bit cooler music and a little bit more updated and stuff. But, uh, okay, okay. yeah, many Warriors were always playing. I always had, um, you know, the same segments going, driving my parents absolutely insane, um, trying to 
do the same whips and scrubs, you know, on my on my bike that those guys are doing, which I doubt, obviously. Um, but yeah, man, just nonstop. Yeah. What, what were some of the ones that you watched nonstop? Because I know it's probably going to be the same ones. See, I, I had I, I'm a slight bit before your time. We're we're mm-hmm. three years apart. I just turned thirty. Um, but, uh, and I wasn't, uh, up until, actually, it's, it's, like, every year I would always get the, uh, Great Outdoors, both the regular mm-hmm. version and the, uh, special edition. So, I- I'm probably the most annoying guy on the face of the earth to watch one of those videos with, because I know the dialogue from beginning to end, backward and forward, over and over, every one-liner, every snippet, quote, whatever it happens to be, I know all that stuff. Uh, and I've gone back and watched them even in probably as recently. Like, I've, I binge-watched them, like, probably not that long ago, within a year. Um, and then, but prior to that, like, if we're, we're talking VCR, VHS tape, there's only two. It's uh, the uh, Fox... Terra Firma Greatest Hits Volume One. Oh which, man, which was damn good. And of course, I, I I am completely. This is completely unbeknownst to me. I'm 11 at the time. I don't know that everything that I'm watching is like at minimum two years old. Like at the at the newest. And then I'm also watching like footage from like the first Terra Firma. I believe was either 2000 or 1992 or 93, because I think it's 93. Um, cause it's prior to Doug Henry get, uh, getting, getting injured. Um, so like it's all that stuff. So I assume that that is all happening in current. And then the other video of course that I watched over and over and over, and I would still put its soundtrack up against any other motocross video that has been released, maybe rivaled only by Wes Williams, uh, Epic that came out in 2009 was Revelation 199, Travis Pastrana. Um, heck, I might watch that before I go to bed tonight. That was a phenomenal video. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had Shane Bess in it. Who's that guy? That's Shane Bess. Factory superstar oh moving God. up to uh, the pro class next year. Here we are at the Motocross Nations ready to do some practice. All that stuff. Um, that was my, like, that was my Bible as far as uh, motocross videos went. And I'd put it in and put it in, and put it in over and over and over. Uh, I, I watched those until I don't think we had a, a VHS player anymore. Oh, man. Yeah, that was my deal. That's going, that's going back, man. That's going way back. Yeah. And then uh, and also, my sister, and this was probably one of the most thoughtful gifts my, my sister ever got for me, and I think it was completely unbeknownst to her uh, as well, another Turn Back the Clocks uh, video collection, uh, a local skate shop, had the Children of a Metal God um, trilogy as a as a box set or like on one DVD, and I watched all three of those back to back to back all the time. And those again were like from '96 to '99, roughly. I think is the newest of them, or maybe like '898. So the, the, I, my initial exposure to motocross like basically immediately turned my clocks back on it. It was kind of interesting how that ended up working out. Wow. Yeah. Man. So, and then, yeah, I was just completely obsessed over it. Like I would leaf through magazines and like, unlike you not reading all of those articles, I would like get to the end 
and then I'd read it back the other way. And I'd look, I'd look at the photos and I'd like analyze the photos and I'd figure out like just little details about them and stuff like that, like why that Suzuki is different from another Suzuki and like why in 2000 or 1990, uh, in like 1999, 90 and 2000, the Primal Impulse Suzukis were using the 96 shrouds because they were smaller and, uh, and, and more kind of form fitting looking all the factory teams and, and impulse use them and same thing with the uh if you look at the uh the, the front number plate on the 96 well i guess 97 they had upside or right side up forks so that's a little bit different um but like all those years they had the, these little tabs that went down the sides of the fork tubes uh on the stock bikes but all the factory guys all the factory mechanics would literally take a utility knife and cut those little tabs off so that the bikes looked more kind of more factory looking, more aggressive. And uh, I pointed that out to Lee McCollum one time, and he's like, "I think you're the first person that's ever noticed that." So maybe I just pay attention to the details oh, too much. Yeah, maybe maybe just a little bit. You might you might like the sport just a tad. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit en- en- enough to uh, to produce um, about 600 hours of of uh, entertainment over the last five years and uh, looking into it today that we are at 240 podcasts for the 2018 uh, year. So uh, this will be 241. Uh, pretty excited about that. We've, uh, we've hit both the 500 and the 600 mark throughout this year. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's cool to have had you along for a lot of them because uh, like your time is valuable. You're, of course, a, uh, 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 a hardworking guy, and I often steal uh, a good portion of your evening. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that you're able to uh, give that to me on a regular basis. Oh, no worries, man. You're not pulling me away from much. Just eating myself into a food coma and then passing out. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's always good to talk talk about this stuff, man, and go back and talk about it in so much detail that only a very few people can actually do. So it's, I mean, going down memory lane about all the, you know, the uh, the grog days and 85 days and early 2000 motocross really uh it brings back the memories and it's always good it's always fun to talk that stuff man but um one thing that is just have me thinking about is all the you know the different tracks that we have now that were on the circuits oh. back in the day you know and and the ones that that have disappeared since you know and mm-hmm. um i know i have my favorite track that i would love to see come back what's what's one track that you would like to see come back to the pro circuit out here um and like this is kind of weird because I I don't think it was ever considered a really really good track, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I've always liked like the video and the the content that was produced from Steel City and it was a track that um, is uh, like a lot of championships were won there. Um, and I, I think honestly I, I think the track is is there, it's no coming back now. Um, but I know a track that is. Like rideable and does practice days is that is it Broom Tangleka? Yeah, I'm yep. saying that correctly. Yep, and maybe a track that you've raced because that's kind of in that area. Um, that that track I think was kind of like a uh, an underrated track and and maybe one that I would like to see back come back at some point or maybe just a special event like. Um, I, I'm just gonna kind of get on my soapbox for a second here, but I don't know why. Um, the richest race of the year every year has to be, um, has to be a stadium race. I don't know, like the, the, the sport is so relatable to the masses who 
race these outdoor tracks that I don't know why we can't have a bit of a sort of like a, a, a neutral site, like say like a broom tail go where most people don't ride um, throughout the year. And then uh, um, a, a week or two after uh, outdoors wrap up, have like the richest motocross race um, of the summer, like just have a, have a crazy purse and like, so like a company like Red Bull, um, like all those awesome Red Bull or all those energy drink companies that seem to hold, hold all the, uh, the cards and the money within the industry can, can put on a race, uh, similar to, uh, like similar to a monster cup or something along those lines, maybe a different format, maybe some shorter races. Um, but also something that, uh, like, Got like I can I can relate to you better. Like I, I love watching guys hit supercross triples. Who doesn't? Um, but like it, like the thing I love most about uh, outdoors is that like there's tabletops and big doubles and like really gnarly downhills and and braking bumps. All of which I encounter on a weekend by weekend basis when I ride my motorcycle. I, I can't quite um, relate to hitting a state of set of stadium whoops because honestly i haven't hit a really gnarly set of whoop sections since i was probably 16 or 17 years old they actually went away with whoop sections in manitoba i'm not going to get into that right now but we don't have them here um but yeah like it's uh i think like that would be just the absolute coolest thing you, like I, I don't know if you're you're kind of with me on that whatsoever but like i i um I don't know why the richest race of the season has to be uh, a stadium race. Like it's cool that it is, but um, yeah, like maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it could be an outdoor race. Yeah. I'm on board with you too. I think that would be awesome. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I wouldn't say getting repetitive what we're doing now with the same venues, hosting the same kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would, I don't know. It would, it would just bring back like some of the good memories. So, um, you know, going back to our last one, talking about uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm, two I strokes. think what made that event, yeah, what that made that event so great with the two strokes. You know, it brought back that nostalgia. I think if we can bring back, um, you know, not saying in series, but like you mentioned, like uh, after the the super crowd, or the after the outdoor season kind of wraps up, doing a, a race at Brim Tioga on you know two strokes only, or or even if even if the factory guys want to keep their four fifties, you know, and and two fifty F, that's still that'd be an amazing event. You know, it it, it bring a lot of people, I think, to that race and make it more relatable, like you said, you know, where we're doing amateur stuff. Uh, it's only recently that there's been a huge push for Supercross-style races, you know, with the Supercross futures and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we all do we all do outdoor stuff, you know what I mean? We're all used to outdoor tracks, um, outdoor doubles, outdoor tables and stuff like this. So really, um, I think that's why the outdoor series has such a, a big place in people's hearts because that's what we do, you know? Uh, very rare to see super cross style elements like step on, step off, and dragons back at a local local motocross track. So I think it'd be awesome, man. I, I would absolutely love to see a, a two stroke only race at a, a track that you don't see in a circuit anymore, like a Broom Toyota or Steel City, um, which is not my favorite track, but you know, so it'd be <laughs> cool to see it there. Yeah, um, but yeah, but you know, it it, it makes the sport. Uh, a little bit different, and I think it'd actually be a pretty profitable, you know, effort on on, on whoever, whatever promoter decides to do that, you know, because a lot of the people who, you know, have the money to attend and, and check that out now, raced when those tracks were relevant, you know, they raced mm-hmm. back in the mid-90s, late-90s, early-2000s, and 
um, you know, people, they want to, they want to see that. They want to see it come back. And it, it just makes it feel, uh, like the old school moto again, you know, that it's yeah. not like a, you know, old fart or anything, but, uh, it just, I think those people are wanting to see those days come back, man. And it's, it's, it's needed, you know? For sure. I think that, uh, the, the thing that people love most about, uh, the two strokes, aside from the, uh, the, the sound, the smell, the look, the everything about it, um, is, is honestly the affordability of it. I, like, I, for one, uh, don't have, and like four strokes have gotten to the point where they're probably pretty bulletproof, but when they do have issues, they have serious issues and, and they, like, there will be parts. Uh, whereas, whereas with uh, two strokes, it's a little bit easier for a guy like myself to to navigate uh, within the uh, in 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 the the garage, and and maybe I should just uh, uh, teach myself better uh, about four strokes and 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 figure stuff out that way. But uh, yeah, I think that there's. Um, I think there's still a place for that bike or those bikes within the industry, and clearly, by the the way people react on on my social media and certainly on the podcast and about the the different articles that get put out, like if it has something to do with a two stroke, people are clicking on it. Uh, so I don't know why that doesn't turn into uh, kind of a, a, an industry taking up and standing up and taking notice. But either way, uh, that's just how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, like this, this has been a fun conversation. Just uh, sort of just going down memory lane and stuff like that, and rekindling those uh, those old memories of which uh, with motocross videos you watched, or how you kind of became in love with the sport. Like uh, like you'd mentioned the uh, the mini rider um, mini rider uh, magazine. What are what were the other like? Did you have subscriptions? And uh, when it came to putting a poster from Transworld on your wall. Female side or rider side or a mix of both? Uh, I was definitely a trans world guy for like forever. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a moto side. I think I maybe had like one in the trailer that was the pinup girl side. Uh, maybe one in the garage because like my dad uh, did that or something. But I cared about the dirt bikes, man. So it was definitely the the uh, the moto side. But um, I think I had. A bunch of Ryan Villapoto. Mm-hmm. When Mini Rider was, you know, the the one that I would get, it was uh, Davy Millsap. That guy absolutely owned. Mm-hmm. Like he was Those like the Axel Hodges. Cool. Oh man, they were awesome. The bikes just they looked so cool. The coolest graphics. He had like those cool neck rolls that everybody wanted. That was like cool for like two a hot seasons. minute. So yeah, until yeah, until uh, Liat came out. Yeah, but, along um, along with the Thor Paisley gear that everyone needed to have. Um, so uh, I I think I actually might still have mine the the jersey at least but uh I uh, got into a bad crash at Southwick a couple of years ago and mm. uh, or not a couple of years more like 10, 10, 12 years ago Jesus and uh, had to had to have the pants cut off so I was super bummed because I had just gotten those Paisley um, the Paisley Thor gear I felt like I was chattery man it was I was wearing the Yamaha mm-hmm. uh, had the had the matching helmet and everything and I was just so bummed but uh, yeah I had that but um, yeah man no staff was like the, had like the style for days in the 85 um, I wanted all of his gear but uh, it was definitely that one and then they had a couple of Alessi who was probably it's between no and Alessi for who my favorite mini rider was because you know seeing with those guys do these huge jumps in 85 that I did not think was possible Hmm. Um, that was just so, so cool. So yeah, definitely those two guys. Yeah. Just thinking about that for a second, I, I, I see a huge distinct and notice the fact that, 
Thor in the 2000s, like in, throughout the 2000s, their helmet was on Chad Reed. It was on the PC team. A lot of winning going on there. There's a lot of other people who wore that helmet. And right now, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who wears the Thor Force helmet or the core. Either way, yeah, I think the only guy that I can think of that wears it with uh, any like anyone notable who wears it on a regular basis would be uh, brand-new uh, Triple Crown Series champion uh, up in Canada, Cole Thompson. I think we're going to have him on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, so... Um, yeah, it's kind of a, like as a sort of side note that I was sort of realizing that that helmet brand kind of fell off the map after, uh, or like that, like uh, not their helmet brand, but like that people wearing that helmet basically went the way of the dodo bird after uh, Ryan Villapoto stopped wearing it uh, after his career was done. Yeah, it's uh, I never thought about that either, but uh, like uh, Anderson like wears uh, Alpine Star helmet. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Marv's in Marvin, who now has a uh, had his injured knee. That's a bummer. We might talk about that in our preseason Supercross talk about show. Um, where's Arrow? I think uh, Webb's in Bell. Yeah, nobody's no one's got love for the Thor helmet. I wonder what's yeah, up with that. I, I wonder. Got to be a if, money thing, uh, but you'd think that Thor yeah, would be yeah. like, "Yeah, we want you in our helmet." Yeah. To push up some sales, but I, I wonder. I, I think it's just uh, helmet technology is just. Yeah. Then again, they also make boots, now, you know? but they don't make anyone wear their boots. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just. Uh, and goggles for that they, matter. They, they got most of their probably got most of their money from like the the lower tier type gear. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. everyone that was looking at buying a higher end helmet was just going like, "Why would I just buy this other brand? Why am I buying Thor?" You know what I mean? So yeah, well, they do but put he, a lot of research and develop into their gear. Maybe not so yeah, much in yeah. the helmet. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like they're basically like people are like a little bit more go with something that's tried, tested, and true. I haven't yet tried on one of those Alpine Star helmets. Maybe have to uh, roll by the tent at Supercross and try one of those things on. Um, see what I can make happen there. But. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a weird side note. They, like Guys used to be a little bit more sticky about that. Of course, there was a time when uh, anyone who was anyone uh, wore Alpine Star boots, even uh, uh, pro circuit guys back in the day, although they were head-to-toe AXO, they still wore Alpine Star boots. Uh, Carmichael, again, for the most part, I think up until the year after he wore barracks boots in 05, he was always an Alpine Star guy, even when he was head... or ankle to toe uh or ankle to head uh fox was a uh was an alpine star guy so uh clearly a uh, a favorite of a lot of the riders in the early late 90s early 2000s of course the boots i was actually just just talking to somebody about that um about the whole white boot white alpine star movement especially like when the tech gates were out and then when the that's the the only color boots to wear Exactly. Someone, someone was asking me, like, man, why are your boots white? I'm like, that's because they race motocross. And they're like, why? Don't they get dirty? I'm like, I've never, yeah, they get dirty just like any other boots. They're like, why would you buy white? Because you can see it. And it didn't compute to me for a minute. I was like, because that's what you do. Like, everyone, at, when we were growing up, everyone had white Alpine stars. It's like, yeah. that saves motocross, you know? And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, I never, like, stopped and thought about, like, why am I wearing white Alpine star boots? Why do I have to have, you know, this one thing like this guy had, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of 
again, brought back those, those early childhood memories. And like, man, the reason why I probably have white boots is because Villapoto had him when he first went pro. And I loved Villapoto when he was on two fifties. And yeah. you know what I mean? And I, I had the, the pink Scott goggles like Villapoto forever. Cause I thought that was just the coolest look. And yeah, that whole deal, man. It, oh, yeah. it makes you really stop to stop and think about that stuff. I had a, I actually, the, the saddest part is I don't have a picture of it, but I literally had one year, the full setup, including bike and graphics, uh, 2008, uh, it was, it was the first, I was, I was, I guess it was the first year of 2009. I had the 09 PC gear with my name and number on matching jerseys. I had, I had two sets of gear, uh, with like the, I even had like the font that made it look like I was on PC. I bought the Thor helmet. I had Scott goggles, white out, Al, white Alpine stars. I had uh, a graphic company do up a, uh, a custom kit for me. Basically looked like I was on the team and, uh, I literally didn't get a photo of that whole setup complete. I have, I have it like close. Uh, but I actually, my, my first race in that whole kit, I, uh, smashed the helmet off my head and actually I've never seen that helmet since to this day. And, um, yeah, I dislocated my shoulder that day, and uh, yeah, the 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 complete pro circuit look was no more. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, I always went with that Alpine Star, white Alpine Stars. I think one year I had black Alpine Stars, but I wasn't feeling that anymore. I had one pair of Fox Firma Comps. Fuck, those were bad. Those were bad boots. <laughs> I, I think I really I, I blew through those boots pretty fast, and I don't ride that much. Uh, back in the day, especially because, of course, my dad's taking me to the track back then. I'm not driving myself to the track. So, um, yeah, those boots were bad. But I think, honestly, there's two the reasons why war? guys wear white white Alpine Star boots. A, mm. the, the pros at that level, like, I feel like white Alpine Stars is almost like the sticker on the hat. Because like the like like sort of kind of a gangster thing where you're like I like I I wear new hats so often I'm not even taking the sticker off. That's that whole kind of thing, is that like I get white I get new white Alpine stars so often they don't have to worry about wearing black Alpine stars because like these will be gone before they're dirty. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, white Alpine stars stick out a whole lot more than black ones do. Agreed. Agreed. And they're cooler. And they're the only color and brand of boots that I'll wear, and they don't sponsor the show. <laughs> like, I'm just saying that. I, I, like they, they, like I'm sure. I'm sure, yes, of course they should. But like they, they don't offer me a red scent. But I will purchase white Alpine Star boots until I stop riding dirt bikes. There, I say. I agree with that 100. Hmm? percent I am the same way. Yeah, maybe maybe that's like the last little piece of me be still being a complete fan of the sport is that I'm steadfast with certain stupid shit like that but uh dave this has been uh, a fun conversation uh for those who don't know we talked for well over an hour prior to hitting, hitting uh, record on this we're coming up on an hour and 50 minutes of uh this particular skype call it's uh it's half past 10 o'clock on a tuesday evening and uh yeah this has been a lot of fun conversation uh is there any questions you have for me before we hang this sucker up Questions for Brad. Mm. Uh, if you could go back to one year of racing in your whole career, what would it be? It's a good one. It's a good question. Yeah, how do you answer that? Like, do you do you choose your last year on eighties because you were like tall enough and and strong enough to throw the bike around, and arguably I had my best results that I've ever had that particular season, uh, having had 
some pretty impressive rides in the 80 class? Um, or do you like first year on big bikes, KX125, uh, got the 2004 Fox gear, same as James Stewart wore the previous season at uh, Millville, like KX125 had the Headingley Sports Shop graphics on there. That was a good year. I would have to say, I would have to say it would be 2004. First year on big bikes, KX125. Uh, absolutely love that machine. I loved the bike. I loved learning how to race on it. I it was the first year I really started like jumping all the jumps, so to speak. Like there wasn't too much I wasn't jumping, and um, got better at cornering and just had the the bike big enough to sort of fit me well. And my last year on on eighties, I was uh, everyone always jokes about like when I post pictures of me on eighties that like I'm like dad kept me on there a year longer so I could win a championship. I did not win a championship, uh, not even sniffing it close, but, uh, yeah, I was way too big on eighties. So, uh, that was probably more of a hindrance than it was fun. But, uh, yeah, I would have to say Oh four, uh, KX one, two, five, great season. Uh, great, great year for local tracks. Uh, a lot of my, the guys I looked up to like, uh, at the time were still racing, um, of course now all the local pros are either younger than me or, uh, um, yeah, a lot of them are younger than me, so I don't necessarily look up to them, so to speak. Um, so that was kind of a cool period. And, uh, I think that was, that's the first, uh, pro race I went to that year. I ended up going to, uh, the Minneapolis Supercross where, uh, James Stewart posted the fastest lap, lap time of the night on a KX125. Uh, that was Davey Millsap's, uh, first race ever, um, yeah, a lot of cool things happened that year. So uh, take me back to 04 all day long. Oh, man, I remember that, that race, too, Davey's first race. Huh. I, I got a similar, similar thinking. It would be the year after that for me, 05, my first year on big bikes. So same, same school of thought, pretty much. Same bike. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, KX125. It's uh, One day we'll, we're going to get matching KX125s, and we'll go for a ride together, Dave. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll live our best life doing that. Dude, count me in. I need that so bad. <laughs> right on, well, it's, uh, it, it, like I said, it is half past 10 o'clock, way past your bedtime, way past my bedtime, and I still got some reading to do tonight. So uh, I appreciate you kept making some time for us. As always, appreciate your girlfriend letting me steal two hours of the night where she was probably hoping that you could probably give her, finally give her that back rub she'd been asking for for the last decade or so. But uh, another night has slipped through your fingers. Um, this has been fun. Oh, man, this has been awesome. Very rarely do I get a chance to nerd out about old school moto and have like a coherent conversation. So this is like food for the soul, man. There you go. I'm glad so, it, it, so it, was, it, was, uh, it could be that for you. Uh, good to reconnect. It had been almost a month since we last chatted on the podcast. So we bucked that trend and we, we get back at it. Uh, we'll try and make this a more regular thing as we approach Supercross, which we're under 50 days um, in counting right now. I think we're about 45 days away from Anaheim 1, and uh, yeah, barely have anything planned for it, so probably get on that. But anyway, um, Dave Drakes on the Big MX Radio podcast. Everyone go check out the collectivexp.com. The Collective EX on Instagram for all of those updates. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening for everybody. And uh, Dave, thank you. Oh, man. Absolute pleasure. It's going to be fun.
Looking forward to the next one.